You're listening to the Tigers Radio Network on MarpleNewtownFootball.com. Welcoming you into Tiger Talk, I am Greg Pecco, coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and through the beauty of the internet, connecting up there all the way in Delaware County, about 600 miles away, is the executive producer of the Tigers Radio Network, Jim Alsman, and your play-by-play man on Friday evenings, Dave DePasqua. Dave and Jim, uh, welcome into the first uh, attempt here at Tiger Talk. With two weeks left in the season, we have a lot to cover. But first, uh, just wanted to say thanks for being here, and uh, hope everyone is uh, cap off the season and get to the playoffs. So... One of the big things we've seen from Marple Newtown this year is a 6-2 and two start coming off of a 35-8 win over Pencrest this past Friday night. And that 6-2 and two start is one of their best starts since 2016 when they went 7-1 and one in the first eight and went on to lose in the semifinals of the district playoff to Academy Park. But since that season, things have kind of been a little bit slower to get started. What's kind of different this year, and I'll start with Jim, that you see from this Marple Newtown that kind of speaks to what, why this part is, has been a little bit quicker, a little bit better and stronger than the two previous last two seasons before 2016. Well, honestly, Greg, um, you know, the, the schedule is what it is, right? I, I think that the, the whole league as uh, competition wise, the central athletic league is, is, is a bit down. I'm, Love to hear what Dave thinks on that too. Um, so you know, Marple Newtown has has been in a position this season that um, the teams that they they have played that they should beat they have, um, and the teams that a little bit bigger six A teams or the teams a little bit better competition they've struggled against, and that's just the way the schedule has fallen. Um, uh, there was a time not that long ago where, you know, Marble Newtown would struggle against teams that maybe they they should, you know, do well against, but they didn't. So I think they're very hard out now, which is great. That's a testament to this coaching staff. But the league's down. So, uh, you know, I don't, and I don't want to take anything away from them. But, um, Dave, do you, do you, would you agree or disagree? I would agree to an extent. You see the big teams like Ridley and the other 6A teams continue to reload, whereas Marple Newtown doesn't have necessarily the horses, to Greg's point, about 2016. I would say last year Marple Newtown was in the rebuilding year. There were several sophomores in. You had Brian Jocelyn, Joey Paoletti's first year in that quarterback for Coach Gicking, trying to replace the all-time leading passer in Marple Newtown history and Anthony Paoletti. So you saw a complete rebuild trying to play around Marlon Weathers. I mean, statistically, Coach Gicking knows how to put up points. He knows how to put up numbers. If Marple is going to succeed going forward, especially against teams like the Ridley game, we're kind of still good. They're going to have to play stout defense and trying to get turnovers to get their offense back to ball. I would say, Dave, that um, you would agree, though, that there there's probably their only really signature win so far this season, given what Upper Darby had, did to Garnet Valley, even though they still lost. They really gave them a full game. I mean, that went into overtime. They almost won 
So our our probably our only real true signature win this season would be on the road at Upper Darby. Other than that, it's really the the wins and losses has sort of fallen where we predicted. It is, and especially with the slow start. But like you said, you play the pones on your schedule, and you win, and you win decisively. And that's what Marple Newtown did to begin the year. Then they went on the road, won at Upper Darby. The big game was at Strathaven. And, Jim, we saw it early on at that game. Marple Newtown had several opportunities to get on the board and were not able to cash in. And I just don't believe that had anything to do with rust. It just was... They weren't ready for that big game. And I'll, I'll interject here uh, to, to those points, as you mentioned, the schedule and kind of, you know, I think what Dave's speaking to there is, is learning how to win big games and struggling um, in, in certain moments. Strathaven certainly has come out this year and, and surprised a lot of teams this year. They had a, a huge win against Ridley, who many thought, you know, that was not going to be, and it was a blowout win against Ridley. You wouldn't think that was going to happen. I think one of the things that sticks out to me, it, it you know, we hear a lot of a lot of coach kicking in his offense and, and what's been able to do since he arrived to Marple Newtown. I think the big thing this year, looking at it, other than the Ridley loss, Marble Newtown has only given up more than 12 points one other time, and they beat Conestoga 50-22. to 22, And, you know, you could make a point that, Conestoga getting to 22 points is likely because Marple Newtown was gearing back a little bit, getting other guys in, younger guys in. So I think this year the the kind of the quiet part for Marple Newtown, and I'll get your both of your opinions on this, and I'll start with Dave this time, is that defense. I would agree. You have some pieces that came back from last year, and you have the big name this year is Jelani Estes, especially going around the edge. He can cause havoc. He leads a team in terms of sacks with five and a half. He's in the backfield with Johnny Ebert. Ebert with nine and a half tackles for loss. Estes with 11. And you're seeing a, a variety of different linebackers making plays. C.J. Lane, Robbie Riley, two household linebacker names. And you have to mention Charlie Box with seven interceptions and two pick sixes coming from the safety position. So they're getting those playmakers. They just need to be able to cause more turnovers and try and sustain because once you get playoff time, those possessions shrink. Marple Newtown's not going to light up the scoreboard every single time. And defensively, I like to compare the, the Tigers' defense to the old Colts' defenses with Dwight Franey and Robert Mathis on the outside and trying to get pressure in the quarterback when they're ahead in the game. And that's what's going to be a key for Marple Newtown playing with the lead. Jim, do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I I guess I go back to that Strathaven game where um I feel as though they were the most even it was a it, it was the the best matchup in terms of all around competition. And uh I wonder if coming from that coming off of that game, I've often wondered, is their defense going to be okay, you know, come playoff time? Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, the wing tee is hard to defend. Um, they only gave up one touchdown that game, Jim, and that was in great field position going down the field. Yeah. You're right, Dave. I, you know, I just feel like we were still beat pretty handily, right? So... 
Um, yeah, just you're waiting for the offense to do something in that game and never really came to fruition. Yeah. And so maybe, again, to your point, you choke it up to in that moment, it just may have been a bit, a bit too much for the, for the team at that point in the season, and maybe they rise to the occasion, which is another reason why you should have a very strong opponent in your first non-conference game. I think the you know, looking at the schedule, I think you know that Kip game is just. I, I think that's a game that doesn't add any value to um, your team long term. Where maybe if they got smacked in the mouth that first game, maybe they're a little bit more battle tested for for a uh, for a Strathaven. Correct me if I'm wrong. They probably played early, like an Interboro, right? Who's always a tough team. Now, maybe they played in or maybe Strathamon. They they did play Interboro to start the season. And, yeah. and Jim, to your point, you, and it's something we will get into later here in the program as we get in, into the the playoff scenarios. You know, playing a team like Kip, uh, you know, you may get you know they're a three A squad. You get a hundred points for a win such as that. Uh, however, they have zero wins on the season, so you get very little out of that in terms of bonus points. Uh, whereas if you were to play you know, a, a mid-level team and yeah, you might lose, but at least you're going to get a couple win points out of it to some extent. And, you know, aside from the points as, as, as you're alluding to, you know, kind of grinding on your team and, and, and making yourself sharper by playing an opponent that, that is of your level. Right. Um, Dave is right though. I mean, we had plenty of opportunities against Strathaven, but I, I'm just looking at, at right. Kip hosting Lower Marion, hosting Conestoga, hosting Harriton. We go on the road to Upper Darby. That's a nice win because you didn't have any competition up until Upper Darby. You're rolling over to Strathaven thinking, all right, well, hey, there, there's something to this. And um, they did come out a little flat. There was definitely opportunities, and Dave is right. There were opportunities, but as well as people got to remember, most of this team is coming back next year. Only Marple Newtown only graduates 12 seniors and only a handful of guys were full-time starters. So Marple Newtown is going to have plenty of veterans heading in the next year, and that will be huge because this is the first full year of Joey Paoletti this season, and he's going to be a key figure down the stretch as we go into Haverford and Radnor to end the season. He has thrown for over 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns, and he'll look to improve on those five interceptions and take care of the ball but that majority of those interceptions were coming the last three weeks. Greg Pecco, Dave DePasqua, Jim Alsman here with you for Tiger Talk, presented by Philly Pretzel Factory. And, you know, as we kind of shift now and, and we talk about the schedule and, and we were just discussing, you know, tough opponents and the way the schedule's set up and, and the first real test for Marble Newtown, they're about to have a real big test this week again. As Tabiford, six and two. They have not lost in six straight games since they they lost the second week of the season to Garnet Valley. They've posted three shutouts and they had three other uh, games of those wins where they allowed less than fourteen points. All time, Marple is thirty-one and twenty-five against Tabiford, but this is a tough opponent on the road. Uh, you know, this will this will be a battle test for Marple Newtown with a lot of a lot of playoff points on the line. Uh, Jim, what do you think? the kind of the matchup here looks like overall not good (laughs) um i think i think this will be a tough one and uh this is where 
you know, we talk about this on our text thread a lot. This is where um, these 5A squads playing 6A squads, um, it's it's tough. I mean, Haverford has, what, two Division One players on its roster? Three, Dave? Um, uh, yes, they have Blair in addition to Mosley, who I believe is going to Maryland. Right, so I'll be saying their names a lot. I know... I, I know there's been some rumors that maybe, you know, one of those players is 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 potentially maybe going to sit out, maybe injured. I, I don't really know. I don't want to speculate, but, you know, you hear this through. Well, didn't hurt him last week. Right. Um, right. So the bigger schools, it's just that they just can they have they have the ability to deploy players on either side of the ball where Marple Newtown has to keep, you know, rolling players out you know you look at charlie box now he's a running back anybody also plays as, as a defensive back i mean that young man <clears throat> by the time he's done the game must be exhausted along with joslin and, and our entire line where you know haverford um they they don't have to do that because they're a larger school these are just the numbers behind it i, don't, I sometimes feel like people don't like to hear that but it's the case now has Marple Newtown, um, you know, played well against 6A teams? Um, you know, even going back to when I started with the program under, you know, Ray Junta, of course, um, there's definitely been times where we've beaten the 6A schools, but there's a reason why we don't play 6A in the playoffs. You know, there's a reason why there's a separation there. And uh, so... I, I don't, you know, we're going over there. It's a revenge game from the last time we visited there. And quite frankly, <clears throat> the last time we visited there, um, and I, I, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I did that game too for whatever reason. Um, we really handed it to them hard. Now, last year, Haverford, um, <clears throat> you know, they, they, yeah, Dave, right. We we lost to Haverford at home. Yeah, in 2017 yeah. the last time we played Haverford. And uh, that did not turn out so well for the Orange and Black. It was 35 nothing loss. And that was at home, right? Yeah. Correct. 26-13 and 13 in 2016 um, <clears throat> was, was at Haverford. And then uh, they were off the schedule again in 2015. So... You know, kind of one and one in the last few matchups, and you go back to 2014. It's a loss to Haverford, you know, at home, and then they were off the schedule. So it's been back and forth the way that six A Central League schedule tends to work out. It's, um, you know, Marple's really only won from what I'm eyeballing here one game of the last four in the series. Um, so it, it's you know, it's a different Marple team. Right. This time around, it's probably it's as I mentioned to start the show. They're they're closer to the 2016 Marple team than they were the 2017 Marple team. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And Joe. So Joe Paletti's very efficient with the ball. I don't think you know he's been really good with that. So I think that's a plus. If the if there's if there's one key matchup that I like Marple Newtown in is the coaching staffs. Um, I I don't see a whole lot of creativity. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of creativity out of Haverford football in, you know, since the time I was in high school going back to the early 90s. I'm not trying to be critical or overly critical. I'm just telling it how it is. I don't see them 
running, you know, more than a handful of plays. Dave, am, am I on a line saying that? Uh, when you have a playmaker in the backfield and Blair and company, you don't need many plays. You just let him make a play, read option, or have it thrown down the ball because they have several key players that they're able to find. To your point earlier, Jim, they don't rebuild. Six, eight teams like this, they reload, and they get the horses, and they are able to utilize them and be one of the key players in the Central League. And those are the guys that everybody's talking about week in and week out. And Marple Newtown knows coming into the game who those guys are going to be. And for Marple Newtown, they're going to have to try and squeak squeak out a win. It's going to be tough. And going into that game, Marple Newtown, they know this, they know that, but it's going to be determined in the lines. Marple Newtown's got to win the line of scrimmage in order to have a chance because if you're able to find a crease for Charlie Box, we've seen he can go the distance, and that can play a big factor into this ball game. Let's throw out all the previous games because I feel like these two teams are completely different in terms of that especially in the loss in 2017. But you're going to see players come up big for Marple Newtown. And Haverford is fighting for a playoff spot. I know Gray mentioned it already. It's going to be tough, especially down the stretch in 6A. And Marple Newtown is fighting for, for playoff seeding. Both teams are trying to get a home game. And it, it's going to be tough, Marple Newtown going into Haverford. Yeah. Right. And and the one thing I'll say, and I'm looking at Haverford's schedule here, I do think that Marble Newtown's offensive balance might help them in this matchup in the sense that I'm looking at their win. Haverford's win, they lost, they lost the opener to Archbishop Carroll, which kind of would be a shocker to everybody. Um you know, but that's the first week of a football season in high school, and you know that the same thing happens in college. Then they lost to Garnet Valley, thirty-five to twenty-eight. Since then, they played Pencrest, you know, who's a team that struggles. They played Interboro, struggling team who runs the ball, you know, wing T offense. Strathaven, wing T offense. Springfield struggling, Harriton struggling, and Ridley triple option, which you guys know me and. Some of our listeners from the past would know I'm a Ridley guy. That is something that is so out of the ordinary at Ridley. Those run-heavy offenses, you know, play into the hands of, of a of a of a team like Haverford that likes to throw it. So to some extent, and I'll get your your take on this, that run-pass balance that Marple shows statistically, does that allow them to maybe try and wiggle? If they get behind, they can throw a little bit. If they have a lead, they can kind of play with the clock. Jimmy, you want to go first? No, go ahead, Dave. I think those stats can be misleading, Greg, okay. just because of the games Marple Newtown's been in. They've been in big blowout wins to begin the year, and they were giving several different guys carries. And I'm curious to see what Coach Gicking does this week against Habford because Charlie Box is more of a scat back. He's more of a guy, you get him in space, will be able to break one free. Now, the true test is who does he put in the backfield then? Does he put Eric McKee, who's a fellow sophomore, who scored his first varsity touchdown last week, or do you go with Jocelyn? But the thing is, with Jocelyn, he plays both ways. So does McKee on the outside. So you have to choose your battles in terms of 
how you're going to run the football. Are you going to decide, you know what, we're just going to go West Coast and let Paoletti try and gain three, four yards? Because we've seen the offensive line against Ridley really struggled. It just depends on how he wants to play this one out. Does he put the ball in number three hands and say, hey, this is going to be on you? Or does he try and simplify it and try to run the clock? It's going to be very interesting to see what he does. Yeah, so in terms of what you think Marple will do, uh, run versus pass, I mean, I, I don't – do we really need to answer that question? I mean, I think, <laughs> I think we know. Hey, you said that, not me. I tried to be as <laughs> – explain as much as I could. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I had uh, – Someone had uh, made made a comment to me when I had called Coach Gaking the Andy Reid of high school football on the broad on a broadcast. Maybe it was a halftime uh, between Eric Kelling and I. And uh, by the way, Andy Reid's a great coach, so I don't know why the person thought that was uh, a, a, a slight at Coach Gaking. It's not. Um, but you know, we know he likes to throw the ball a lot. Actually, I would rather have Coach Gaking on an NFL sideline than Andy Reid. Um, but, Ditto. you know, <laughs> Coach Coach Gicking knows how to get his team into a two-minute offense, especially in the Super Bowl. Um, but I, I, uh, I, I, I know we're going to see a lot of throwing. I mean, you know that. Now, and and that's the one thing I like about Coach Gicking. You know, um, we've seen we we uh, we've seen him hand off the ball to Box because we know Box can run the ball very well. Um, we're in a pretty interesting spot with runners. You know, we do have Joslyn, Box, and then Eric McKee every once in a while who did really, really nice uh, against Pencrest. I mean, Pencrest is, let's call them for what they are. I mean, that's a JV team, you know. Um, so you could you could get away with getting a, you know getting a guy like McKee out there later in the game and giving him reps, and he looked really great. Um, so, but uh, but we do have we do have options. So and and. Coach Gicking has utilized that, but we're going to see a lot of throwing. And we're going to see a lot of throwing because I see us playing from behind. And so when you're playing from behind, the, you know, usually the run game is 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 torched pretty quickly, right? So. With that being said, though, Jim, I see a lot more screen passes to the outside, trying to get the ball out of his hand quick, which can be considered a run, more of those swing passes to the outside. Yes, yeah, that's what I'm, that's, yeah, you're right, Dave, that's exactly what I mean, yep. All right, well, we are going to take a quick commercial break here, and we will be back, and when we do, uh, we will discuss kind of the Central League and, and what's been going on around the league over in the last eight games and, you know, what to expect from the final two weeks. You're listening to Tiger Talk, presented by the Philly Pretzel Factory on the Tigers Radio Network. Did you know that only the Philly Pretzel Factory can make the Philadelphia Pretzel? That's because they have authentic, genuine quality of a Philly pretzel. They're always hot, always fresh, and always a great deal. When I go to the Philly Pretzel Factory, I know I'm eating the original Philly soft pretzel. Bring them to a sporting event, a work party, or just for a quick snack, and you can be sure that the Philly Pretzel Factory will deliver a pretzel of great taste and value. Stop in today at any of their locations, including Broomall, Springfield, Media, Folsom and Bryn Mawr, or visit their website, phillypretzelfactory.com, for a complete listing of locations in the Delaware Valley. And remember, if it's not from the Philly Pretzel Factory, it's not a real pretzel. 
You're listening to the Tigers Radio Network on MarpleNewtownFootball.com. Welcome back to the Tiger Talk podcast presented by Philly Pretzel Factory. Greg Pecco along with me, Jim Alsman and Dave DePasqua. And we were talking about Marple Newtown and Haverford before the break and what to expect from, from this week's uh, weekend's matchup on Friday night at A.J. Cornog Stadium in Haverford. Now we're going to kind of shift gears and look out at the Central League overall at the moment and kind of what's been going on and, and what the final two weeks could bring. Bring us, and it's been very interesting, uh, Dave and Jim. the The schedule, almost in, in an odd way, for a lot of teams, has seemed to be either front loaded or back loaded. For instance, you know, Ridley had a, a very easy schedule to start the season. Haverford, kind of a similar situation, uh, and and other teams have had the opposite. Marple Newtown's one of them that's had kind of an easier, slow build uh, to that schedule. Is that something that you know? I, I see it as unplanned, but is it something that is just the way the league is. Jim, you mentioned earlier in the broadcast that the league is kind of down at the moment. Yeah, it's down. I mean, that's a nice way of saying that I don't think highly of the Central League and its competition. <laughs> and um, I, it's not – I always say that because maybe I'm showing my age here. You know, I'm 44. I'm not afraid to admit that. But, man, when I was in high school, and boy, I, I, I really sound like an old person now, but it's just – you know, I was looking at uh, I was looking at Kane Tarquini's father this week on, on Friday during senior night, and talking with Eric Kelly when we were in high school. He was a running back for the squad, and what a tough dude playing such t- tough competition. And it's down, Greg. You you know this as well as I do as a Ridley fan. It's not the same, and you know you're younger than me, but you you know you remember. Um, so that's why I think I know you didn't ask this specifically. That's why I think a lot of the all these Central League teams will struggle once they get into playoff time. Dave, I mean, I don't know. What is your thoughts on that? I just don't see the numbers compared to previous years. You're seeing teams. I mean, just Pancras, for example. I remember seeing Pancras teams, and they had numbers. I don't see those numbers. In- Players maybe just aren't coming out for the football team anymore. I'm not sure, but that's true. Last that, two that's... years ago, you saw Lower Marion, who's historically not the best team in the world, had a great season. Right. And you saw two guys end up from Lower Marion football playing at Villanova. And that's true of so, Strathaven too. Even though they're having a, you know, they're they're definitely having an up year, but we've seen that with Strathaven too, and that's a storied program. Mm-hmm. And I think that begins at the lowest levels. I mean, our color commentator, Steve Reynolds, works with Marple Junior Tigers, and he sees them at a young age, and he could probably test this the better. But you're seeing parents just not wanting their kids to play football and have them playing other sports, which I'm sure has to play a factor at some point. Right. Yeah, and, and looking at those standings, and that's a great point, Dave, is is kind of that shift away from football and you kind of can see certain areas, um, you know, with a lot of different sports that it's always kind of been regionalized. You have some, some school districts, you know, Radnor, Conestoga, um, 
you know, Laura Marion, they tend to dominate certain sports. Such, you know, golf comes to mind. I'm a, I'm a big golf fan and I have a brother that, that plays for Ridley, but, um, you know, able to watch that and there's a big discrepancy there. And then you flip the script on that and, you know, football is, you know, you look at the standings, Garnet Valley and Strathaven are seven and one Haverford Marple Ridley all at six and two. And this is not league. Uh, this is not the league, uh, full league, uh, league only records. These are the overall records. Um, you know, Upper Darby's in the middle with Radner and Conestoga and Springfield, who last, you know, the last few years, Springfield has been at the top and, and they've taken a big uh, a fall off in the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think some of these schools, you, you see a shift to baseball. I know the Pencrest area is a big baseball area these days. Um, so I, I, I think there's some some truth to that idea that people are shifting away from football. Um, but what would you guys kind of in, in looking at those standings, what's the bigger surprise to you? Uh, Strathaven at seven and one overall, or Springfield falling off to two and six? I would say Strathaven, Jim. I, I mean, I know a few people thought Strathaven would be okay right around where Marple Newtown is, but they have taken a giant step forward this year and really commanded with that wing tee. Normally, Strathaven is that team you want to play early before they hitch their stride. They hit their stride week one. And I know Springfield, they lost a good amount of players coming into the year. Their situation playing on the road basically every game. I would say that Strathaven is more of a surprise than me just because of the way they're playing and fighting for a Central League title. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that Strathaven would be back very strong like this because of Dave's point a couple minutes ago about numbers. They were... They were struggling with that. I think I think for a while they may have even been struggling with, uh, you know, just getting the freshman team together. So they really pulled it together very nicely. It's it is uh, it's very impressive. Where Springfield, this is what you know they they, they this is what you typically see out of them an ebb and a flow. And and there's no doubt in my mind that they'll be back to you know where they usually are. I just I just think that's this is in this you know the part of the cycle that they're in now. Dave, you had mentioned kind of feeder what what would be feeder programs, Marple Junior Tigers. Um, mm. You know, just talk about the influence of of those teams, uh, of those younger groups, and and you know, I think you can see the the stronger programs tend to have a lot of influence, and and the coaching staff at the high school level, you know, really dives in into those programs. Well, I can speak on behalf of Marple Newtown football. Since Coach Gicking has taken over, he's preached community. He has been there for all the guys last home game there were st annie's marple junior tigers all invited all across the board all on the field just to be a part of the community and seeing that impact and when you're that age it might not be a big deal but when you're that age you're on the field seeing high school kids that you're like man i want to be that guy and playing for him you know what i mean like it plays a huge factor and just trying to get to that level of being a varsity athlete and, and wearing that color with pride. And that's what Coach Hicken really has instilled. A lot of these guys go back to contributing to the community, and they're able to get these young kids and play the right way. And you see that with Steve Reynolds, who's a coach as well, and he talks about it all the time, and seeing the importance of everybody communicating, being on the same page, and taking that next step and seeing their development from such a young age all the way to the high school level and even further potentially in college. It's a big deal 
because once you get to high school, I'm I can imagine Corey Power probably a good person to ask because he didn't play in middle school. He he started to learn football when he was already in high school, already stepped behind. But he proved Jim to be one of the best offense and defense linemen in the Central League. Oh yeah. Yeah, very good player. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I often feel like sometimes, Dave, players that start later than others, you know, they, at that point their body has been saved in a sense. You know, and you bring up be saved, but also they're not burned out. Yeah, Joey Pham's another good example of that as well. Uh, I don't know if I, I don't know what Joey. You know, we're talking about a player. Um, in the Coach Junta era, I don't know what how much football he played prior to high school, but he didn't really start till his senior year and then went off to have a really successful career at Millersville. And uh, when we talked to him, I often, you know, I would we talked to him once in a, in a podcast similar to this, and I had asked him if he thought that not playing as much uh, in high school helped him. And, and he thought that there was probably something to that in terms of his body and it being saved, you know, so. So last question here before we wrap up the, the Central League discussion of part of our program, you know, there's three teams essentially left that, that really have, have the ability to win the Central League. You have Garnet Valley in league, 7-0, and Strathaven 6-1, and and Haverford 5-1. and Of those three teams, you know, and I can give you who they play, um, you know, Garnet Valley has Haven and Ridley left. Haven has Garnet Valley and Lower Marion, and and Haverford has Marple and Conestoga. Of those three, who do you who do you kind of see pulling out that league title, um, or is it kind of going to be a tie again? Jamie, you want to go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. In my opinion, I think Strathaven, after seeing them in person, Garnet Valley has cruised their first loss of the season and have have really stumbled last week against Upper Darby. And I think that game with Strathaven could ultimately decide the Central League. I, I would put my money on Strathaven just because of the fact that they are really hitting their stride with their wing T offense. They can hit you in any direction. Haverford, I would say, who is their last two games, Greg? You have Marple. Haverford has Marple and Conestoga. Oh, in my opinion, that's... <laughs> it's going to be two wins, and it really comes down to the Strathaven Garnet Valley game, which I think can be a real test. And that that would be a good one. If anything, that's probably your game of the week. Yeah, I, I agree with Dave with Strathaven be, only because of well, they got they got good players, um, but the the coach has been has been in this position you know before in terms of playoff games and big games I, I, he, he knows how to prepare his squads um, so um, I think that Haverford we, when you, 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 were, you were saying all teams in Central League right? Yes. Yeah I think Haverford truth, truth be told I think they, they literally they love to play for one game and one game only a year not to say that they don't, you know, value their games that they play. They do, but the playoffs are secondary to their game with Upper Darby on Thanksgiving. I don't care what anyone tells me from either of those communities, and I live in one of those communities. If they were, if they were going to play a playoff game, you know, 
if they had to choose between the playoff game and the Thanksgiving game, it's the Thanksgiving game every time. So, and I don't, I and I think because they play in a weaker Central League, I don't think that they'll fare very well in the playoffs. Um, I don't think Ridley will fare very well in the playoffs after seeing what a strong six eighteen did to them on Saturday. Um, Garnet's the class of the league in that in that in that in that, in, in that category. I, I could see Garnet going to a semifinal in six A. All right. Well, we will step aside one more time here, and we will get back, and we will dive into the fun quagmire that is the District 1 playoff picture and point system in just a moment. <laughs> You're listening to Tiger Talk on the Tigers Radio Network, presented by Philly Pretzel Factory. Hey, Tiger fans. Did you know that only the Philly Pretzel Factory can make the Philadelphia pretzel? That's because they have authentic, genuine quality of a Philly pretzel. They're always hot, always fresh, and always a great deal. When I go to the Philly Pretzel Factory, I know I'm eating the original Philly soft pretzel. Bring them to a sporting event, a work party, or just for a quick snack. And you can be sure that the Philly Pretzel Factory will deliver a pretzel of great taste and value. Stop in today at any of their locations, including Broomall, Springfield, Media, Folsom, and Bryn Mawr. Or visit their website, phillypretzelfactory.com. Welcome back, Greg Pecco, Jim Alsman, Dave DePasqua here with you on Tiger Talk, presented by Philly Pretzel Factory. And we were just a moment ago talking about the Central League, but now we are going to look at the District 1 playoff picture with the two weeks left. Um, A lot can happen, and and Jim and Dave, you guys know for the last several years I've kind of dove into this uh, crazy process that involves all of these different points and you know bonus points and and, and such things. Um, the way it stands right now, uh, Marple Newtown is currently seventh when you factor in you know what I like to call guaranteed points from opponents, you know common opponents that play each other. You're guaranteed to get ten points because it's a win. Um, whereas if someone plays a team that you did not play, that's either zero or ten in terms of your bonus. Um, there's other points. You know you play a six a 160 points if you get a win. Uh, you know, your own, it's 140 and down the line. And you can go check the district site out if you want to know more on how they set all of that up. Um, but as I mentioned, Marple 7th currently, um, if it were to start today with the way the points are, they would be facing, I believe, Unionville. Um, now, we'll get into that. But in terms of what's out there in this process, you know, Marple Newtown, in my opinion, right now, looking at it, and eyeballing it, I feel like they can be anywhere from four to about 10th. Um, and that could bring on a number of opponents. But I just want to get your take on, for Marple, is home or away going to matter? Jim? Yeah, you know what? I think it's good for them to have a home game um, on that first playoff game. Because, especially because if they're in that six, seven, eight, they're going to get, I mean, they'll get a team that's closer to them, right? But uh, I think that's a better chance. I, I do. I, I I think in high school football, having a home playoff game, giving the kids, because that's what they are, they're kids. These aren't professional athletes that could, you know, they could go play on Mars on, in a cement turf, you know. They don't care. You know I mean, professional athletes don't really care. Kids, they, 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 having the comforts of home, having all the, you know, they don't have to get on a bus. 
sometimes these trips on a bus, I talked to another coach in the Central League about this. Sometimes these trips on a bus, it just gets you sleepy coming off of that bus. Um, and they're not used to their routine, Jim. Right. It throws everything off, and that's how I view it, especially because you want that home game. Your team is full of sophomores and juniors. You're able to keep your routine. You can go home. You can stay ready for practice, get ready for the game. and doesn't really throw you out of whack, whereas if you're traveling to go somewhere far, I mean, Marple Newtown a couple years ago went to Upper Moreland, and that's a hike. So you're seeing the differences in seeing a home game versus an away game, mental preparation, friends, all right, am I going to have to travel, preparations for that. So I think there's a lot less to think about, especially with a group of sophomores and juniors. And it helps to have the fans at your back. All your friends and family are there supporting you. And I think that's a big factor. And you know Coach Gicking will have a big crowd at Prima Hoagie Stadium for a first-round matchup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, a, big, it's a big help. And Well, one thing we don't have to worry about anymore, Dave, is uh, Upper Moreland is in 4A, um, so we don't have to continually go to the prom with our cousins as, as that series kind of became. Uh, that's what it felt like anyway. Um, in I any appreciate event, that. <laughs> in any event, you know, there's about 19 teams left that are eligible to kind of get in, and we'll just break down kind of what's out there right now. And like I said, there's there's so many scenarios, especially with two weeks left. You know, I've I, we've talked about this, you know, in our text threads over the years that really until the final week, and even then, you don't know because there's a league like the Pioneer Athletic Conference. They do crossover games. You don't even know what's available points wise. Um, when that gets factored in and, and all sorts of other things. Um, but in, in kind of looking at it at a glance, you know, this is kind of what I've broken out, and I'll, I'll get your your guys' thoughts quickly here as, as uh, we start to wrap up. You know, I kind of have Cheltenham and Academy Park. I kind of have them sitting one and two with Strathaven and Kennett kind of fighting for three and four. These are kind of pods. Um, I kind of have Marble Newtown, Westchester Ruston, Westchester East, and Unionville all in that fifth through eighth seed scenario. Penwood, Upper Dublin, Chai, Chester, and Radnor, ninth through 12th. And then Pencrest, Westchester, Henderson, and Springfield, 13th through 15th. And then you have, you know, five teams fighting for that last spot. Great Valley, Phoenixville, Upper Marion, and Oxford. Um, you know, the back end is is rather, the with as big as this, um, you know, playoff is, you have 20, I think you have 26 teams in District 1 and you have 16 that get in, it's kind of tough. That that size doesn't, you know, predicate itself to a tough first-round game unless you're in the middle of the pack, in my opinion. Jim? Yeah, I mean, the, the middle of the pack, though, the problem is, Greg, is that you're going up against competition that's, you know, closer to you, right? Um Whereas, I mean, okay, it's better than being that last seed and having to go into some hostile environment and, you know, you never want to play a two or a one seed. It's just psychologically you feel like the world's against you. Um, so for that standpoint, I do like where Marple sits right now because I think they have the opportunity to get that home game and play a team <clears throat> that's closer to where, where they're at in terms of competition. Then again... 
if they play a team that's coming from another league that has a little bit more competition where maybe, you know, they have – if they're – obviously they're coming in and we're hosting, they're probably going to have more losses. Um, or maybe they have the same amount of losses, but they've those losses are better losses, if we will, for sake of argument, if that makes any sense. But I, I, I like where they sit. Dave, I'll, I'll, ahead, I'll ask you a direct question then, Dave, off, off of what Jim was discussing. You know, I, I kind of sent out a little prediction, eyeballed kind of the schedules and what's out there um, for all of the teams. Uh, of the of the choices where Marple could sit in their pod, would you, would you rather face Upper Dublin, Penwood, Radnor, or Chichester? Now, Radnor would be back-to-back weeks. I go with Radnor. <laughs> Jim? Yeah, I would like Radnor, too. I feel as though... That's that, a revenge game. Yeah, yeah, you have a revenge game coming up in two weeks, and I know that they would absolutely love to have that one back. And I actually would rather go to Radnor if that's possible. That's it's it's possible. There's it's kind of on the longer shot, um, but like I said, the, there's so many scenarios out there uh, to to play with. Uh, you know, I I did look at it, and I kind of think you know overall Great Valley Springfield. You know, Westchester, Henderson, and Pencrest are kind of the back end, those bottom four. Um, and then Chai and Radnor, Upper Dublin, and Penwood in the middle. And then, you know, you have the top half. I think Cheltenham, based on their schedule, is going to be the number one seed. Um, I, I just well, don't that, see, see them right, falling. That's why you want to avoid being the eight or nine seed, because you do not want to play Cheltenham or Academy Park around two, especially right. on the road. And and that's the thing. I have Academy Park kind of penciled in at, at number two, and, you know, I have – Kennett in that third position and Strathaven in the fourth, just strictly based on scheduling and, and what's out there. Um, so th- there's a lot to play with. And, and if we have time to, to kind of get into it when next week, when there's a little bit clearer picture, we, you know, if, if we can certainly go through it and, you know, put another one of these together, if we happen to have the time, I know uh, with this way, the season's winding down, uh, it's a, at times a little tight for all of us. Um, that being said, uh, to just wrap it up, I, you, are you both going to be in the booth this uh, this Friday evening? I'll be. Jim uh, will be taking the reins. Yeah, I'll be. T- I'll be filling in for Dave alongside Steve Reynolds and Eric Cowan. will be at the controls. Sammy Snyderman and actually uh, Bob Herpin will will be with us. Who will uh, man social media? And that game starts seven o'clock Friday night. As you as Jim just mentioned, he will be in the booth. Uh, Taking the reins along with with Steve Reynolds there, and uh, I know you always enjoy going to have it. For, it's a close walk for you, uh, and uh, I know that uh, a friend of the show uh, and and of the Tigers Radio Network, um, you know, Christo will will certainly be very welcoming uh, and supportive. Uh, Dave, since you're not going to be there, I I just want to get your opinion. You know what to expect Friday night. I expect two teams that are going to be playing for their playoff lives. That's how I fully expect it. Both teams trying to make seeding in the playoffs. And I think Marple I think you're going to see a good amount of points. I do think Marple Nintendo will put some points up. It just depends on who's able to get to 31st. Well, that wraps up our first podcast of Tiger Talk here. And Dave and Jim, I want to thank you both for connecting in and for your insights. Uh, and Friday night, 7 o'clock, Marple Newtown travels to Haverford at A.G. Cornog Field. You can catch the game on the Tigers radio network and tune in. Feel free.
free to tune in. Thank you for listening, and we really appreciate our sponsor, Philly Pretzel Factory, for allowing this to happen. Have a good night, everybody. The Tigers Radio Network broadcasts, both live and archived, are the exclusive property of the Tigers Radio Network Incorporated and are produced for the private use of our listening audience. No rebroadcast, in full or in part, is permitted without the express written consent of the Tigers Radio Network Incorporated.